I have always wished that my Spanish was better. Living in Southern California and going to Mexico a lot for surfing, weekend trips, stuff like that, it's just very handy. I took three years of it in high school, but I really didn't learn that much from the books. I basically only got really good at asking various types of people where the library is located, which turns out to be not a phrase you use that often when you're on vacation. Rosetta Stone is a much more organic and easy way to learn a new language because it really immerses you in that language. It's the most trusted language learning program available on desktop, and also it has an app. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. Like I said, it's fast language acquisition because it really immerses you in the language. There's no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. They also have speech recognition features like True Accent, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's also an amazing value. They offer a lifetime membership, which includes all 25 languages, which is perfect for any and all trips you might have in your future with various languages you might want to learn. Don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, other world listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com otherworld today. This episode is brought to you by Harry's. Harry sent me a razor starter kit recently to try, and I put it to use very quickly because I keep myself clean shaven. In fact, I pretty much shave every single day because I have lots of facial hair. It grows back very quickly, and it's also really thick, and it hurts a lot when I shave normally, with a bad razor at least. So I've been using Harry's razors for like a week now. They're very nice. It's a five-blade razor, and I have to say, it really does effortlessly shave through my normally very annoying facial hair. It doesn't hurt one bit, no tugging, anything like that. And it stayed sharp the entire time as well. I'm very impressed so far. It also has kind of a good weight to it. It's like heavier than normal. I don't know. It's like, it's just got a good weight to it. I really like that. I didn't know I liked it before, but now I know I like it. I also really liked the shaving cream just because it smells really good. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by questionable shaving products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. Harry's has a customizable delivery option for scheduled refills as low as $2, half of what you pay from other big brands. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com otherworld. That's harrys.com otherworld for a $3 trial set. Welcome to Otherworld. I'm your host, Jack Wagner. This episode is part of a series. If you haven't heard the first episode, you should go back and start from the very beginning. That would be episode 54. In the last episode, we heard Sarah's perspective of the terrifying things that were happening in her new home. These experiences began pretty much as soon as they moved in, and they only got worse after they made the big mistake of essentially inviting more in by doing a seance and making some kind of bread offering, which seems like it sort of opened a line of communication. After hearing Sarah's story for the first time, I was, of course, rattled by it, but I was also very curious. 
I had a lot of questions, and quite frankly, I wanted to talk to as many people as I possibly could who were involved in this just to get the full scope. It matters to me that I get to share more than just simple ghost stories here on Otherworld. So that's why I spent so long trying to talk to as many people as possible, ask as many questions as necessary, and really, really tell this entire story. Each person I talked to ended up giving me their own little piece to this puzzle. So, this episode, you're going to be hearing from a very important person, a person I did not think I would be able to talk to for this one originally, Sarah's husband, Cameron. He was highly against them even doing this podcast in the first place. He was against telling this story at all, let alone talking to me. He fears that even mentioning these topics might invite it back into their lives, which is why him and Sarah do not speak to me from inside of their home or even talk about this from inside of their home. I should just set the scene a little bit here. We did this interview that you're about to hear over Zoom, and Cameron was speaking to me from inside of his garage with the garage door open in the middle of the Canadian winter at nighttime. It was freezing cold out. He was wearing a big parka, sitting at his tool bench. You could fully see his breath and like the snow blowing around behind him. He had a big space heater blasting and he was drinking bush light beers and smoking cigarettes pretty much the entire time. Uh, and for that reason, this is one of my favorite interviews that I've done on Another World. All of that combined with how scared I could tell he was, I think it'll speak for itself. So let's get this episode started. This is episode 56, Many Things, Part 3, and you're listening to Other World. Is this Bobby? Yes, it is. At, at its core, the science you can't argue with. A story about All of a sudden. up in the sky. It's almost frustrating that it's happening. I'm literally, this, I'm going to die. I'm like, just its looking. limbs were just like wrong. It's just Everybody moves back into the light, even if it takes them a minute. So you tell me how you want to start. You want to start? You want to start shooting? Go ahead. Why don't you... You're in the garage again. Why don't you introduce yourself real quick? Last time I talked to you was a surprise. Last time you talked to me was a surprise for me too. I didn't think I wanted to be involved. But I felt it was something that had to be done because it played a large part of my life too. So I, I didn't think it was fair for anybody to... Uh, to not to not put my two cents in, you know. Cause it affected it affected uh, everything on a daily basis. And I'm in the garage. I'm in the garage where I could smoke, and I just had to snow blow a foot of snow. So, are you gonna stay in there fun. the whole time? Yeah, I'm set up here, bud. I got my fucking heater going, buddy. When you have kids and you don't get time outside, you. Do your your their duties and then you you take care of your time. It's very limited once you have children, man. Why don't you start with uh how you met Sarah originally? I was living a young and wild, crazy life. My father died when I was when I was fourteen, and um, I had the the party house. You know, 
everybody wanted to come there and knew I had no parents, no restrictions, no no nothing aside from what I would allow and it was pretty much anything. And I met a group of girls from a different school and we started, you know, hanging out with them and doing the obvious, partying, whatever, whatever. And I went to a party one night and the girl I was hooking up with was friends with her and she said, my friend thinks you're cute. And I said, okay, tell her to come to my house. And I took her back in my, my fucking red grand am that night. That was no license, no insurance, no nothing. And drove her back to my house with some other girls and some other friends. And and that was the start of it. That wild, that wild path is like a 15, 16 year story. So it's hard to get into, but uh, listen, we had many ups and downs, many breakups and makeups, many walkaways, blow down fights. You know, especially when this the shit was going down in the house, it was uh, it was difficult. It was difficult. It was it was not an easy time. And thank God we, you know, didn't have a kid at that time. Our jobs were flexible. You know, there was sleepless, sleepless weeks, not nights, weeks. But, like, I don't know. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to get into the details of, of how much that, that situation of how long it was affected our life. It was, you know, I told her last night in preparation for this, this interview that, you know, I've tried to block a lot of it out because it was that, it was that bad. Like, you know, she, she tells me stories and it kind of comes back of like how how bad it was and how much fucked up shit happened. And stuff that you can't even like imagine. It's like you watch all these horror movies and all these things cuz we're into those and it's like they don't even they don't even hold a fucking candle to what what happened, you know? So we're renting at a a condo after we uh, we finished school, and we moved we moved back to Toronto. It's a nice area. We're paying stupid money for uh, one bedroom, no room, stepping on each other, and it's like let's get a house. And we started looking, started looking, started looking. Prices in Toronto even back then were were worse than they are now. And you know, I took my entire inheritance from my my father that he left me and I put it as a down payment and her parents matched it. And we were lucky enough to find a, find a house that a builder couldn't finish and started a couple new builds in the same area. And he wanted, he wanted his money out of the house. So, you know, we got it for a re- really good price. And we didn't really do any research on the house before we got it because we jumped on it, right? Like he... He tried to do a scare tactic on us and had like fake buyers show up for the last showing when we were there. 
so we jumped. We didn't, we didn't do our, our homework. Like me being a contractor, I walked through the house. You know, I, I could pick out problems here and there, but I can't pick out, I can't pick out problems that uh, aren't visible. You know. So we we went forward and um, we got it. It was some back and forth, back and forth, but we got the house and. You know, things were fine for for some time. And then shit just started happening, like weird stuff. The first week we moved in, the entire house backed up. So we couldn't flush a toilet. We couldn't do laundry. We couldn't do anything. And building houses, I know... You know, floor drains don't always get covered. They get backed up. You know, there's debris that get dropped in them. But this is a different situation. Like, I've dealt with this when I finish a house. And like, oh, you find a couple pieces of wood or sawdust and da-da-da-da, whatever. And then, you know, your drains back up. We had a backup of, like, two inches of water in the basements the first week in the house. And remember I brought one of my best friends to come see my basements and show them the top floors and walk downstairs and put a light on. I stepped down and was, I stepped into a pool of water. And it was just, it was throughout. Like, it wasn't two inches in one location. Like, it was two inches in my entire basement. And we had to rip all the drywall out, all the carpet up, all the baseboard, everything. And we had it scoped from the city, had it scoped from the builder, because we were showing the warranty at that time, and everyone couldn't give us an answer. They said it was like a soap and grease buildup issue between the new connection from our house to the city. So I had one of my people come in and scope it with a camera. And the drain was like clean, clear, brand new drain, tied into the city, septic or storm drain, like nothing was there. And there was no explanation of, of what caused it or whose fault it was. So like I couldn't have the builder pay for it. I couldn't have the city say it was your problem. Like it was our problem. And we had to guts, you know, all the carpet, two feet of base, two feet of drywall, two feet of baseboard. You do all that shit. And there was no, no logical explanation. So whatever, time passes, everything's fine. We're making the house a home. I can't recall the very first episodes, but it was probably Sarah feeling something not right, feeling something at nighttime. You know, I think it started with her being held down at night and this thing just knocking the shit out of me. So I couldn't wake up at all. Like, I would wake up in the morning being like, I had the most restful sleep of my night or my life. And she'd be like, I had a fucking horrific night where I had nightmares and I couldn't get up. And she explained it as like having almost sleep paralysis where she couldn't move. And... It progressively got worse from there. Like when it became a, an issue where it was happening 
on a daily, nightly basis. Well, what kind of things would she say when she would wake up? That this thing was, you know, all on all fours on top of me. It's knees on my knees, it's hands on my shoulders. I'm wide awake. I can't move. I can feel its breath on my face. I can feel it pulling my feet. And she'd ask me, she'd wake up and be like, did it not pull your feet last night? And I'm like, no, I'm like, for dead, I was dead asleep. But like, she'd tell me shit like that. Like it would, it would, it would fuck with her and pull her feet and pull the fucking blanket or, you know, pin her down and, and she couldn't move. And when she started telling me that she could feel fucking breath on her face, that's when I was like, okay, this is more than, uh, this is more than a bad dream. Like this is, this is fucking serious. And it, it didn't like, it progressively just got worse and more intense and more intense and more intense because the more we tried to ignore it and, and not pay attention to it and more, I feel like the more it pissed it off and the more it, it just started doing more shit. And like I said, it's, it's hard for me to remember minuscule details because I, I deleted them out of my, my head because it was just too much. Like we have a, we have sensors inside the house, right? So like when I put alarms in the houses, we put in sensors, which are basically, I'll put one at the front of the door and shoot it past the front door. So if that connection breaks, the alarm will go up, right? It's not like a fucking beam like you see in movies, but same idea. So I have that at my front door. I have one upstairs in front of our master bedroom. Yeah, like it would just get set off for no no reason. And it's not like if you have an alarm guy who knows what he's doing, he he sets it at a location where a cat or a dog or nothing's gonna set it off because it's gonna drive you crazy, right? So we'll, you set them up high so that animals don't set them off, and ours is going off, and that's what it was. It was it was a motion sensor going off. And I don't know exactly how many fucking times because another like just thing I blocked out. But yeah, I remember going to the alarm panel and just censoring everything off and canceling everything. And it would just fucking keep going off. Even going downstairs and turning off the breaker, which the alarm was tied into, and it would still go off. That was another that was another thing that I, I've completely blocked out of my head. Because it was just another like Jack, I don't think you understand how stressful and how fucked up the situation was where you 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 can't sleep at night. You're you know, you don't know what the fuck to do. Your wife's being terrorized, your house is being terrorized by something you can't control. You know, that's what drove me the most nuts is that I couldn't, I couldn't do anything about it. Nothing, nothing. Like having all the weapons in the world you want, don't do shit. And I was, I was like stocking up on like weapons because I was scared. What the fuck is happening? Getting axes, throwing axes, storing all these things and then end of the day they they're useless 
<laughs> to nothing. You can't you can't fight what you can't see. It was basically it was basically like beyond our control in every sense of the imagination. All right, we have to go to a quick break, but we will be right back with the rest of this interview. I used to be really bad at keeping track of my finances. A very stupid part of me believed that if I just don't look at my bank accounts and my credit card statements, the money will all still be there, even if I spent it on stupid stuff that month. Well, that's not how it works. I learned the hard way. It's quite the opposite. Usually, when I finally did look, I'd notice that there was some subscription I'd been paying for that I forgot to cancel or I got overcharged for something and it's too late to fix. But now I use Rocket Money to keep track of all of that for me so I don't have to worry. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you could grow your savings. Rocket Money finds all of your bills and subscriptions for you, lays them out, and gives you the option to cancel them automatically or it can negotiate a lower price for you. I recently tested this out on my internet bill and they were able to negotiate a lower price for me. I saved like $300 doing this. If you're like me and you get scared checking your accounts, Rocket Money might be your savior. It's nice having everything in one place and under control. I promise you're gonna be very happy once you finally do it. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com otherworld. That's rocketmoney.com otherworld. Hey, Otherworld listeners, I'm excited to tell you about a show that I love and I think you're going to love as well. It's called Sophia with an F, starring Sophia Franklin. This show is about as different from Otherworld as a show could possibly be, which is why I think many people were very, very shocked when I got invited on as a guest around Halloween. It was really the crossover that nobody expected. I'll never forget the day my episode came out and every single one of my college-age cousins texted me all at the same time. Very confused, but also very excited. It was nice to hear from all of them, though, and uh, finally get some respect. I had a great time on the show. Sophia is really down-to-earth, which is why I think her interviews are so good. We talked about Otherworld, the paranormal, getting into this whole thing unexpectedly, as I did, and a lot of other stuff that I think normally does not get discussed on Sophia with an F. Normally in the show, Sophia Franklin goes deep on sex, life, mental health, relationships, and everything in between. You could get Sophia all to yourself every Monday for solo mini episodes and every Thursday with her ride or die best friends, experts, and some famous guests on a host of other topics, topics that are not safe for the dinner table, from foursomes and sugar daddies to wild sexcapades and tips for keeping things fresh in the bedroom. It's raw and laugh-out-loud funny, no borders and no filters. My personal favorite is the episode with Waka Flocka Flame, if you want somewhere to start. Listen to and follow Sophia with an F on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like you just need to get something off your chest? Contrary to the belief of, I think, every single man in my family lineage dating back to the hunter-gatherer period, bottling things up does not work. When you push those things down, it begins to build up and negatively affects you. And of course, the stuff you bottle up always finds a way to come out eventually, usually not in a very good way. Therapy is a place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. There's a reason people say it's like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders afterwards. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you could switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Otherworld today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Otherworld. Springtime is here. I've recently had all of my windows open, letting in the breeze, the smell of fresh flowers blooming all over my neighborhood. This is what a house should smell like. It should not smell like your cat's litter box. Thankfully, Pretty Litter makes that very easy. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odor. It's ultra-absorbent, lightweight, low dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. It also gives me peace of mind knowing Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illness in my cat, like urinary tract infections, kidney issues, and more. This is especially useful now that my cat is hanging out constantly by our screen door getting visitations from coyotes, raccoons, squirrels, other cats, who knows what else. So it's very helpful knowing that if he picks up anything weird from them, I'll notice right away in his litter. When I first got my cat Merlin, I tried using the cheap cat litter that comes in those huge giant bags from the pet store. That stuff is awful. Some of it smells worse than the smells it's supposed to be covering up. It does not have to be like that. There's a better way to live. There's no reason for your house to smell like your cat's litter box. If your house smells like a cat's litter box, that's on you. That's not on your cat. Pretty Litter is amazing. You should give it a try. Go to prettylitter.com slash otherworld to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash otherworld to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Folks, springtime is here and it might be time to clean out the closet and finally update your wardrobe. Quince has you covered with timeless pieces that never got a style. You'll have them in your closet forever. Quince has all the essentials for men and women and everything is made from high quality materials, which is very important to me. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes savings on to us. And like I mentioned, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. I recently went on a little shopping spree myself. I got a chore jacket, a Mongolian cashmere cardigan, and a quilted jacket. Basically stuff that I could just throw on top of the normal old t-shirts that I wear every day to make myself look a lot more presentable and fashionable when I need to. I also got some new sheets for our bed. They have so many to choose from. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash otherworld for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash otherworld to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash otherworld. Can you tell me about the night you guys... Did the Ouija board? Her brother came over. He he was making jokes about it. And, you know, everybody thought it was fake and thought we were imagining this. And you'll have to ask him what what he looked up online. But we found some shit online where it's like, Okay, you can offer it this and this or that to engage it or to ask it to leave or to to speak with it or whatever. And the offering was made downstairs. 
but it was literally basically we fucking put bread onto our island, broke it up, offered it, said something, and I, I'm pretty sure we, we recited something that we read online and waited for the outcome. We were both on, you know, had a few scotches. So we went upstairs to the room. I'm like, let me show you the fucking room where everything happens, where the feeling is the strongest. And I'm like, tell me what you feel. And and there was, there was a lot of like laughing, joking, calling it out, pretending it was fake, pretending it was nothing, you know? And that's when it got fucking mad. Like I could, I, the, the tone changed in the room very quickly when we started, like, joking around. And, like, other said, her brother. Her brother's, like, a very... Uh, no-bullshit kind of... He's like me. He's a no-bullshit, right to the story. No lies, no nothing. Call you out, you're a fucking lying kind of guy. <laughs> and that's what he thought. And we were fucking drinking scotch and joking around. And like we jokingly did that and it wasn't a fucking joke what happened because I don't know if Sarah told you, but there was like upside down writing and numbers on the back of a, a freshly painted door from a finished house. And it wasn't like a serial number from a fucking millwork company who made the door. It was like fucked up writing and her brother saw that and he laughed and I remember I walked out of the room and the fucking door just slammed shut like like crazy slam and he fucking came out of there like scared shitless and I was like see I'm like I told you it's fucking real then we went downstairs and the pendant lights above my island that I had just put in were swinging like a pendulum hitting each other and that's when he was like Holy shit, I think he fucked, I think he ran out of the house. I think he went home that night. I also heard that there was like some speaker system in the basement and the monster mash started playing on its own. Yeah, so the builder put in speakers, like built-ins in the ceiling, right? So the basement receiver wasn't even on. Like it wasn't hooked up, it wasn't... The thing is off. It's like a knob or like you have to, you know, you turn a knob on and it clicks. And then when it clicks, you know that it's on. And then you can turn your volume up from there. So like basically the click engages the power and then you can turn it up from there. And it was completely off. And the click is a physical turn. Like it's, it's a restricted turn. It's, it has to be done with fingers. It can't just happen by, you know, nothing. Yeah, I remember that happening. That's something that I completely block out of my memory because for many, listen, for many months, don't forget, I don't know if I told you, but for many months, I I convinced myself that nothing was happening, that this was all fucking nothing. This was all normal. This is all new sounds of the house settling. I convinced myself for a long time that Nothing has happened. That was the real first, first visual thing I experienced where it, it fucking, it scared me to put it that way. 
I don't know if it, he came with a fucking Ouija board or he he made a Ouija board or or something. But yeah, that was a night that an offering was made and and shit started getting way worse after that night. When you see a fucking door slam, and not the closet door, like the bedroom door, when he was trying to walk out of it, fucking slam shut to like lock him in that room. And and that's when he came out and he was like, holy fuck, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And I, I could tell you I could tell you for a fact, I was in the fucking closet the day before, and the back of the door was <coughs> freshly painted. Never been fucking nothing in the closet. And then that night there was like this weird array of numbers and letters and the next day it was gone. It was probably like two feet wide by three inches thick of just like a random array of numbers and letters, upside down letters, upside down numbers. I couldn't even make sense of it. It was fucking scary. It was scary. What was that room and how did you know something was up? The room was vacant. We had nothing in there. Still to this day, it's just my uh, it's my office, uh, the table in there that I made. It's, it's a storage room. It was just an empty, empty room. And even at that point, there was no... Like, we put pictures of our family on the wall now. We tried to make that room like uh, a home, a, a room in your home. But at that point, it was nothing. It was a bare floor, bare walls, maybe a little storage container or unit, whatever, but never used. Like, we we didn't go in there because it was just... It was like an eerie feeling, and we knew that's where you would get you would get the feeling. So we we didn't use it. We went in there. It was it was the feeling of I want to get out. I don't want to be in here. I don't know. It kind of it kind of freaks me out even talking about it with you because I've put it out of my mind for so long, and you know, like I said, deleted the memory because. It was a bad time and there was no, at that time it was the year you feel helpless. There was no solution. There was no, like no way to fix it. It was like sell the house and, you know, at a later date when we spoke to other people who were more involved in this kind of shit, they said selling the house isn't even an option. Like it will just follow you. So it was a very helpless, like confused feeling. And you can't really explain it to anybody until until they've been through it. I remember when it was at its at its worst, we went away for a destination wedding. And I was like, okay, there's gonna be some relief. We're gonna go away to Saint Martin, we're gonna go for a week. You know, we'll give us a break from this and I don't know if Sarah told you, but the fucking plane didn't take off. There <laughs> was like mechanical issues, and I was like, oh my God, like even at fucking Pearson Airport, we can't get away. This thing's still on us. And we went, finally got away after the, whatever happened. It was hours and hours of delays. And when we got to the resort, everybody in the wedding party, you know, of course was talking and knew about it like the entire family and 
I must have told the story 15, 20 times. And everyone was just like, their jaw dropped, had nothing to say, like, oh my God, like, is this real? And I was like, what reason do I have to lie to you? I'm like, I don't owe you shit, nor do I give a fuck about you or what you think. So why would I lie to you? Like, to get attention? No. Like, I don't even want to tell you the story. But I'm telling you the story because everybody's asking. So even going away to an island, going anywhere, it, it, it didn't matter. It was following her. It was following Sarah. It was trying to possess. It was trying to take over her. It was, it was trying to possess her, basically. It wanted her. It wanted nothing to do with me. It wanted me out of the picture. That's why it would knock me out when we went to bed, to get me out of the equation, to have full, you know, full control of her. Like, don't forget, don't forget, these things at nighttime, Zach, I'm telling you this right now, like, I would wake up in the morning feeling like I drank a fucking 26 or a Jack Daniels and blacked out and have fucking no recollection of anything. But she would go through all this shit and tell me all these stories. And I'd be like, for the first couple of weeks, I was getting mad and frustrated with her and fighting and being like, you got to stop this. I'm like, nothing fucking happened last night. Because it would literally knock me out. And I don't know how many nights, but I remember like a couple nights in question, like I remember feeling the same shit, like waking up and her screaming her fucking head off and like me waking up and not even be able to move like there was a couple not times where like it pinned me down too and like oh, I've, I've played hockey my whole life I'm a fucking contractor I consider myself a pretty strong individual and it's I don't know how many times it happened but I remember a few times in question like waking up and it would be fucking with her and I would be stuck in that position on the bed and not be able to fucking move. Until it decided like, they wanted to let me go. And it was like, I can compare it to fucking magnet on the back of your neck and your, and your legs and you just, you can't break. You can't move them. That, like, that's how fucked up it got. And listen, I'm not one to... <laughs> I'm not one to, like, make up this shit. Like, I can't... How do you make this up? Like, I know people will listen to this and be like, oh, well, fuck that. Fuck, I want to make this up for it. It was a traumatizing time in our life and took a good chunk of our, our, our life away. Like, you know when you, you black out drunk and you remember, like, nothing, but then your friends tell you, like, oh, you did this and this and this last night? The situation's the same with this. Like, Sarah would say shit to me, like, that would scare the fuck out of me. Like, I'm going to kill you or, like, just weird, weird things that, that are not her. And I remember in the airplane, she was, like, something like, it's never going to let me go or something weird like that. 
And I was just like, oh my God. Like we're on the plane, ready to fly away for a destination wedding to a beautiful location. And like, this thing is still controlling everything, every part of our life. And I just kind of like looked over it and I was like, this enough, like, but she had no control. Like it, it was what she was feeling. Sarah has a very like loving, beautiful, inviting smile on her face at all times. And it would just go to this like cold, dead stare that just looked like it wasn't her. Like she would just go, I can only, you know, like when you get so fucking angry and you just look at someone like you want to kill them and like whatever emotion you possibly or anything you have in your face that you would show to somebody you love or anybody in your family. Like when you see them at Christmas time, nobody has that look on their face. The look of, of just, it was scary. I can't even explain it. It was just fucking scary. I remember one night in question, like, and it may not mesh with exactly what she told you, but I, like, we were having a normal fucking night. Everything was fine. Um, you know, and at this time, it was so, it was so awkward. It was like walking on eggshells. You didn't know what was going to happen. And like, I think we were downstairs in the kitchen making dinner, whatever the fuck was happening. And like, she just looked over at me and she's like, I could kill you right now. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, are you kidding? I'm like, you could try. But she was like, serious as day. Like, I honestly thought that she was joking. And I looked over and I looked in her eyes and like, it wasn't even her. Like, she didn't even look like Sarah. She looked like she was fucking possessed. And like that was that was at one of the points where you're like, what on earth do I do now? Like my long time at that point, girlfriend, pretty much wife, common law, whatever you want to call it, just looked at me to nowhere and told me that she could kill me right now. <laughs> and she didn't even look like herself. Like, dude, I'm not gonna lie to you. She, her, she started fucking like getting this look in her eyes and her face that wasn't even her. Like this crazy, like insane look. And again, like I'm not scared of anything except death and taxes. <laughs> but she, she gave me this look, and I was like, "Who the fuck are you? Like that's not even that's not even my." My girlfriend, like, that's not even you. And then I don't even think 10 minutes later she remembered even doing it. And that probably happened more than once. But the time in question that she probably told you, yeah. Clear as day, remember that? Because that scared the shit out of me. I've had lots of people tell me they want to kill me, but not my, not my fucking wife. She, she went through a period of time, Jack, where she was... She'd be herself for short periods and then she'd be somebody completely different and I don't know how to explain like 
it was almost like she was possessed. Like, I don't want to go to that extent and say, oh, yeah, she was possessed and this thing got her. But, like, she would say shit and do shit and zone out to the point where it was, like, you couldn't even talk to her. Like, she just was fucking out of it. Out of this. She's the most loving, caring person I've ever met in my life. And then to see her do that and like yeah there was there was definitely times where she would just like and not even stare out the window stare out fucking anything stare at the wall stare at this and just say random fucking shit to me that made no sense and dude I would just have to like delete it just to move on to like get past it so we can go make fucking dinner and be normal and go to bed and watch a TV show like a normal fucking couple. Like, that shit didn't exist for months and months. Like, going to bed was a... It was just kind of like waiting for the inevitable to happen and and hearing about it the next morning, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, let's go have a relaxing night. It was like, oh, fuck, we're going to bed? This is when the shit happens. Now it's going to be fucking stressful. Now something's going to happen. I got to hear about it in the morning. Not that I didn't want to hear about it, but, you know, as a fucking man, your job is to take care of your wife. How do you take care of your wife when you can't even fucking see what's happening, when you can't control it? It was very difficult. It was very stressful. Very, very, very stressful. But, well, I guess love prevails. We got through it. We got through it. I reached out to a family member, a family friend. He decided that he wanted to do a mitzvah, which is basically a a good deed for somebody that you do to get blessings. I felt pretty close to the guy, so I told him what the fuck has happened. I told him, like, real, like I would tell you right now, like, should I wouldn't tell a fucking parent. He was very persistent on doing this mitzvah for me. I was also in the midst of trying to get an engagement ring for Sarah through his jeweler because he knew, like every Jewish guy, knew a fucking jeweler. So we became very close and he insisted on doing and trying to help us doing a mitzvah. So we had a rabbi come to the house and walk through every single room. The mezuzah is angled a certain way. So when you walk into a room... It has to be angled the way you walk into it, I believe. And you kiss it, and it just blocks all bad doings and whatever, whatever. So we count the doors in my house. And, like, it turns out we have, like, fucking, God knows how many, like, 20 fucking doors. So every door needs one. I mean, he gave us this astronomical price. And he writes out, like, 19 scrolls for us. We put them in mezuzahs, and he comes to my house. We bless every fucking room, say the prayer, put them all up, and like one week goes by, nothing happens. The gentleman calls me. He goes, "Cameron, did it work?" And like, how do I tell this guy? He went out of his way, probably spent, I don't know how many thousands of dollars. Like, I offered to pay for it. He was like, "No way!" Like, if you pay for it, it doesn't count as a mitzvah. So. Out of the question, I'm paying for it. 
And like after a week and a half, two weeks, it was fucking right back to, to the way it was. And like he called me and I had to lie to him. Like, yeah, it worked, Arnie. I'm like, it worked. Don't worry. And it, it did nothing. So Sarah's dad gets this psychic. She told us all sorts of stuff. That there was an old native river and a, a passageway that went through right beside our house and looked at the old maps. Like, if you go to the city of Toronto and to the libraries and go to the archives, you could see where all the old riverways were that were just basically buried over for development. We found out it was like a native trading ground and whatever. <clears throat> My theory on this house is that it was left vacant for as long as it was for a certain reason. Like something happened here or, or, you know, close to it. We, yeah, like something happened. Like the deed was transferred. There was some weird shit. There was animal cruelty charges on the person who owned the house before it was. Like we don't know what happened to the last owner and why they, they left. But from what I heard from all the neighbors, like they were very happy to see them leave. And they were very happy to see the house developed into what it is now because it went from a very small, shitty bungalow, whatever you want to call it, to this, who now has a, a caring, loving family in it. You know, and I help out everybody I can on the street. So they're, they love to see it. But they didn't, like, I, I asked, I asked. Everybody, I'm like, what the fuck happened here before we we bought this house? And it was almost like they were hesitant to tell us, like, what happened here. Like, I didn't get answers. It was just like, it's almost like they didn't want to tell us. They wouldn't tell us. And I'm, listen, I'm telling you, like, looking at my garage right now, and I can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven houses of people who... I take care of and like last night plow their driveways and plow their their sidewalks because they're 65 years old and can't do it. And they know what happened, but like are hesitant to tell me because it's almost like they don't want me to know what happened here. Like that's the only way I could put it to you. Like it's like they like me too much and like me and Sarah too much and feel that. And so we've we've done here, you know, start a family, and it's like they don't want us to know. And I got that feeling from every single fucking neighbor I've I've met and talked to here. Listen, I'll tell you this right now. I'll tell you this right now. I'll tell you this right now. Something fucking happened here. Like from from what I know, some somebody inhabited this house that was fucked up and fucked with animals and. Like, there is definitely some, like, like, animals killed here, from what I've been told. Um, aside from that, no one, no one's telling me shit. Everyone just tells me, like, yeah, not surprised that your house is fucking haunted. Nobody wants to build on these, on this land because it's, 
the river underneath it, right? So like, you can you can bury a, a fucking stream or a river, but you're always gonna have the waterway run there. The house next door hasn't been developed yet. It's been sold and bought by four or five development development companies and developers themselves. And I've talked to them, and they don't want to develop on it because they know the trouble it comes with. So I guess you just get a feeling as a builder and a developer. And, and so my, my theory is that the fucking land doesn't want to be developed. That's my theory. All right. Thank you to Cameron for talking to me for this episode. Like I said, that is an interview I'll probably never forget. Speaking to Cameron while he's in the freezing snow of the Canadian winter in the middle of night in his garage. Yeah, that was interesting. That was an interesting one. It's one thing talking to a person who is eager to tell you their strange story It's absolutely something else when you're speaking to somebody who really just wishes they could forget that all of this even happened and move on, but they can't. That brings us to the end of this episode. We'll be back very shortly with the next one, and then after that will be the finale. This has been episode 56. The title is Many Things Part 3, and you've been listening to Otherworld. Otherworld is executive produced and hosted by myself, Jack Wagner. Our theme song is by Coberman. The soundtrack of this episode is by Juice Jackal and North Americans. This episode was edited by Theo Krantz and engineered by Theo Schaefer. Our artwork is by Cul-de-Sac Studios. Production help by Nikki Kate Delgado and Haley Pearson. Please show us your support, especially with these episodes, by telling your friends, subscribing, and leaving a five-star review. If you want to hear bonus episodes of Otherworld, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash otherworld. Our social media is at otherworldpod. We also have some really good merch coming. Stay tuned for that. Thank you to the team at Odyssey. J.D. Crowley, Jenna Weiss-Berman, Leo Reese-Dennis, Rob Morandi, Eric Donnelly, Matt Casey, Casey Klauser, Maura Curran, Josephina Francis, and Hilary Schuff. Follow and listen to Otherworld now for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And finally... If you or somebody you know has experienced something paranormal, supernatural, or unexplained, you could send us the story at storiesatotherworldpod.com.